This is Spy Gals, a podcast made by young women to help encourage and facilitate the conversation around national security amongst young people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spy Gals podcast. Today, we're going to be getting to the root of one of the most important aspects of U.S. foreign affairs, Israel. Seeing the news, it can be really difficult to decipher whether Israel is a friend or a foe. And to understand that, we really have to look at the reasons behind the complicated, kind of mercurial relationship. Most recently, a really big thing that went on in Israel was their legislative election. Now, they had already had this election in April, but the Knesset actually voted to dissolve itself because the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, had failed to form a governing coalition. What that means is that his party was not the majority in the House. So the party leader that did have a majority, Benny Gantz, who is the centrist to Netanyahu's far right, would have been appointed prime minister designate. Right. So before this election, there was a lot of pressure on Netanyahu to get a governing coalition for his party and stay in power. And the way he thought he was going to do that was through President Trump. It was a good strategy, in theory. Yeah, it really was. According to the Wall Street Journal, 79% of Israeli Jews approve of Trump. So Netanyahu went all out. He had billboards everywhere, this huge picture of him shaking Trump's hand. His big pitch was that Trump loves me, America loves me, you should love me. But it didn't work. Bless his heart, Netanyahu did not get a majority in the Knesset. And that begs the question, is allyship with the U.S. no longer a top priority for the Israeli people? And if so, is that the case with their government? Exactly. And before this election, we were seeing cracks in the surface of the U.S.-Israeli diplomatic relationship. It made headlines in September when Israeli spy devices were found near the White House, fake cell towers that tricked White House phones into recording their calls. And by all appearances, they were our allies at this point, right? Yeah, they were. They better have been. We give them about $3 billion a year, according to Vox and Monetary Aid, and half of our vetoes in the United Nations Security Council have been to defend Israel. We're really devoted to each other, with the U.S. taking this paternal kind of role. And so them wanting to listen in on White House phone calls and getting caught, it just seems a lot like a jealous boyfriend going through your phone. Yeah, pretty much. Like you're together, but he still makes you jump through hoops for him. He still doesn't trust you. That's interesting. (laughs) So when you mentioned all the U.S.'s commitments to Israel, the money, the diplomatic backing, why are we so invested in this relationship? That's a great question, Nirvana. Well, obviously it helps us to have this kind of foothold in the Middle East, an ally that we can count on. But as for Israel specifically, a lot of it comes down to public support. Really, the public support is that overwhelming? Yeah, it really is. According to a Gallup poll, Since 1988, consistently a much higher percentage of Americans have expressed sympathy or allegiance to Israel and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it's at an all-time high, with 64% of Americans taking the side of Israel, while only 12% support Palestine. It does seem like every time a public figure takes a stance against Israel, it's widely seen as anti-Semitic. 
I remember last year, CNN reporter Mark Lamont Hill was very publicly fired after he called to quote-unquote free Palestine while speaking at the United Nations. Now that I think about it, everyone from Rihanna to J.K. Rowling to Ilhan Omar has come under a lot of fire for expressing pro-Palestine opinions. That really goes to show how ingrained that Israeli allyship is to the American political consciousness. Like, it's not a partisan issue. It's been unchanging throughout the past 30 years. It's very fundamental. But that may not be so true anymore. In fact, tensions started surfacing a lot before this recent election or the Israeli surveillance discovery. In fact, all the way back to the Obama presidency. I think we can pinpoint that as the point where things started to get a little weird. Yes. Obama and Netanyahu clashed on the regular. This is definitely true. Their main point of contention was on the issue of Iran. Obama really wanted to use soft power, work out a deal with Iran. He really just wanted a nice compromise. Yeah, Netanyahu was definitely not cool with that. He kept urging Obama to take a strong position to impose sanctions to stop dilly-dallying in diplomatic talks. Obama was just kind of like, whatever. But then Netanyahu actually went behind his back. He talked to congressional Republicans who were supportive of his ideas. And in March 2015, he arranged a speech that he gave on the floor of the Senate. And it was highly, highly critical of Obama's amicable attitude towards Iran. The Obama administration was furious. They saw it as Netanyahu conspiring with domestic political opposition to undermine American leadership. Wow, it sounds serious when you put it that way. Well, yeah, it was serious. Of course, by now we're more familiar with collusion and foreign interference in our political process than we'd ever like to be. (laughs) Unfortunately. At the time, I think this was taken as a pretty serious choice that Netanyahu made. But Israel loves Trump, right? Yeah, the Trump administration has really warmed relationships right back up again. By December in his first year as president, Trump formally recognized Jerusalem, a big point of contention between Israel and Palestine, as the capital of Israel, and ordered the U.S. Embassy to move there, as the New York Times reports. That's a pretty big deal, considering every U.S. president since 1948 has declined to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And that's not all, folks. Earlier this year, according to the BBC, Trump gave Israel another little gift. He declared that Golan Heights, a contested territory between Israel and Syria, belongs to Israel. Netanyahu was so happy he compared Trump to a quote-unquote Persian king. Wow. (laughs) Bromance alert. So you get why Israel likes Trump so much, right? Yeah. But even so, it doesn't necessarily seem like a good thing that there is this new discrepancy between how Israel is seen by the American left and the American right. It's making the relationship partisan for the very first time. Recently, an Israeli policymaker, Yitzhak Shmuley, even said that the clear effort of President Trump and Prime Minister Netanyahu to turn Israel literally into a local branch of the Republican Party and at a clear cost of an ever-growing detachment between Israel and the Democrats. This is a harmful and serious trend. So the conflict of opinion causing this partisanship is how friendly should the U.S. be to Arab nations and our Arab populations? Right. And that's problematic because, as we've already covered, public support is one of the main things motivating policymakers to remain invested.
So is American public support actually being ne- negatively affected right now as Israel slowly turns into a partisan stance? Absolutely. And we're especially seeing that an American Jewish population, which has been, you know, the clearest link in the past that America has to Israel, the strongest motivators. And their support is waning. According to a poll by the Wall Street Journal, American Jews are even less likely than the average American at this point to support Israel on a variety of different issues. 60% don't approve of Trump's nice guy tactics, and 64% favor a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So it seems like American Jews are no longer taking the side of Israel because they don't want to be associated with Trump or don't agree with Trump's policies. Yoram Hazani, president of the Herzl Institute in Jerusalem, hit on it really well. He says, quote-unquote, the extremely important divide is not between diaspora and Israel. It is between liberal Jews and conservative Jews. So, as Israel becomes more of a Republican or a conservative stance, the strings of the alliance are snapping. It's no longer stable and will change depending on which party is in power. Which means that Israel is no longer our touchstone in the Middle East. Right. And that's a huge deal. Because historically, Israel has been an ally in the region that we have been able to count on and influence the situation through for a very long time. In his first televised interview broadcasted in the U.S. years before 9-11, Osama bin Laden delineated the U.S.'s support for Israel as one of his main grievances. It really turns into kind of a crude Jewish versus Arab, Jewish versus Muslim thing. So, if this really foundational U.S.-Israel relationship starts to weaken, the entire landscape of how the U.S. interacts with the Middle East is going to change. Right. It's not going to look like that non-Muslim, Muslim dichotomy anymore. But at the same time, the U.S. is going to be losing a significant amount of influence and power in the region. And conflict in the region isn't slowing down anytime soon. We had the Aramco attack that happened recently, Iran attacking Saudi Arabia, and the conflict between the Turkish forces and the Kurdish forces in Syria. Exactly. The whole world is kind of waiting with bated breath. So however involved the U.S. is in this upcoming conflict, it would really help us to have Israel on our side. Thanks everyone for listening to our episode today.